Roger Bolton, thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Stephen. <laughs> it's very important for me that nobody thinks President Trump has handed the keys to the war machine to some sort of hair-trigger lunatic. Well, that's, that's very reassuring, sir. Because if I heard someone say that, I'd blow him up quick. <laughs> Trump's giving me the nukes, bloody boom! Wow. Dana Carvey is wow. Is Ambassador Bolton. He makes me laugh so hard. He's pretty funny. And uh, Sean was explaining to me a bit that he started with a tiny mustache, and every time they would go back to him, his mustache was bigger. <laughs> and he was just gigantic by the end of it. Oh, wow. God, it was funny. Which is wow. funny. Wow. Just, that's old school comedy uh, right there. I find the uh, <laughs> characterization of the new uh, policy advisor to be unfair and, uh, and biased. On the other hand, Dana Carvey is hilarious. So the spokesman for the White House, uh, that Huckabee woman, um, she just mentioned the uproar in Sacramento and the shooting and that sort of stuff. So it's made it to the White House now. Oh, yeah, and there are various marches around the country, I think. I mean, it's an ongoing issue. We're going to talk to the police chief of Sacramento next hour at some point, And uh, I don't know. We'll see what's Ask going him on. the hard questions. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, honestly, he's in... Official response mode, right? If you know what right. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, what the hell? We'll reach out, see if we can have a conversation worth having. You know, I'd like to have him just say, which I'm sure he's he's more than happy to say, just to state out loud, we're not in the business of trying to shoot people in in certain segments of society any more than any other segment of society. Right. And that's right. that's not the belief of all the people marching in the streets across the country. They believe the police right. are in the business of shooting certain segments of society more. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that makes me crazy is I just, I've, I've followed this, I've looked at it, I've tried to understand it, and I don't know what a productive conversation really looks like until people calm down. And then policies and boards and oversight can be implemented. But as long as people are smashing stuff, nothing good happens. But anyway... Uh, so, you know, there's so many things we could talk about. We've got the Trump this, Stormy Daniels that. Trump's uh, approval ratings and how they're not being reported. I want to talk about that coming up. FISA court investigation. You got that going on. So many, so many stories that the mainstream media is paying attention to. Some of them important, some of them not. I myself, I would rather look at the world of science, the world of understanding ourselves and the world around us. I have some really, really interesting demographic uh, information that we can do a little bit later. I don't know. Maybe we can get to it. We'll pay this off first. Some researchers, medical researchers, say there's a new organ to talk about in your body, and it's the biggest organ Mine is. in your body. I was going to invite uh, anybody who wanted to make idiotic and juvenile jokes to do so now, but you've... Uh, You've jumped, jumped the gun. Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? <laughs> can you see my privates? Can you, can you? And you folks wonder why I drink. This is what I have to deal How with. How could we possibly, after all the gazillions of years that uh, mankind has been around, just now have discovered a new organ? I'm just skeptical mm. as to... In contrast to your previous phrase or two, an excellent contribution to... To the discussion. If you will notice, get a mirror, look on the back of your neck, look right there. Oh, my God! Right? It's a second liver. (laughs) I didn't even know that! It's the part of the body known as the interstitium. 
a name for widespread, fluid-filled spaces within and between tissues all over your body. We have all sorts of these fluid-filled spaces in our bodies that were never really studied because when you have a cadaver and you look at it or whatever, you're completely dehydrated and it collapses and it's not there anymore. Mm. But you think about it, the idea that all those areas with all that fluid, that's not doing anything. That's just dead space. We ought to rent it out. I mean, that's just idiotic when you think about it. I always did kind of wonder what's going on in between everything. When you look at a a diagram of the human body. Right. What about that open space? What's happening there? Uh, Dr. Neil Tice, professor of pathology at some place in New York, uh, talked about the interstitium. The structure is the same wherever you look at it. So all the functions that we're starting, so are all the functions we're starting to elucidate. I think it's bigger than skin, which is your largest organ and covers about 16% of the body. That grossed me out for some reason. My estimate is that 20% of the volume of the body is this, which is equivalent to about 10 liters in a young adult. They say it is, where is the term? I should have highlighted it. Um, blah, 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 blah. But all your oh, the spaces appear to be pre-lymphatic, meaning they appeared to drain into lymph nodes. But you can get cancer in all your other organs, skin cancer, liver cancer, whatever. Can you get interstitium cancer? Or is that just immune to that sort of thing or what? Well, I don't know. Or did we call it something else because we didn't know it existed? Uh, I, I don't know. Well, wow, that's an interesting question. It could be a part of the lymphatic system and I don't know. Lymphoma and that sort of thing. Of course, you know, I've never heard of hair cancer either, and you clearly have some of that. At least I do. A thick mane of it. Chestnut brown. Uh, Tice, the uh, aforementioned doctor, described... And very in- dense. It's, it's like a seal's fur. Oh, Sean, I didn't, I didn't want to brag. Uh, Tice described encountering this new view of the interstitium as a moment of quiet awe. More research is better is needed to better understand the true function and how it impacts other parts of the body and uh, and the disagreements over its organ status. Okay. Just seems you know it's kind of like saying we've discovered a third foot. Yeah, well that's what it sounds like, but I don't know. It it, it points out that our you'd think the one thing we'd have a pretty good grip on is the human body at this point, but uh, still discovering how it works. Uh, this other researcher, Dr. Michael Nathanson, who's a professor of medicine and cell biology. Chief of the Section of Digestive Diseases at Yale University School of Medicine. Boy, you want to talk diarrhea? You call old Dr. Nathanson. He knows everything about it. Who doesn't want to? Well, he says, and I quote, it would be analogous to discovering blood vessels for the first time in that they are in, in every organ, but they aren't an organ themselves. In my opinion, this has the potential to change our understanding of the human body because this prelymphatic region, as the authors refer to it, may undergo changes in certain diseases, disease states such as certain types of cancer. So this now puts us in a position to figure out whether this is an effect or else perhaps part of the cause of such diseases. So a whole new world of study for medical science. You know, this is, this is well, you know what, it's funny. I was going to say this is an incredible time uh, for leaps forward in medical science, but so has been virtually every era of the last 250 years. We've gone from bleeding the feet and thinking evil spirits were causing disease. Glad I missed out on that period. Oh, boy. they bleed your feet. I'm, You're sick. Here, let's bleed your feet. You got too much blood in you. Uh, you think? Really? I would think I'd just have just enough. No, 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 no. Hold still. Uh, it's not too much blood. It's the wrong type. It's bad blood. You know nothing about medicine, Joe. Wow. All right. I'll shut up. Bleed nothing blood. counts so much. As That's blood. right. Gene Hackman weighing in there. Uh, and officials uh, say 
Uh, a gent in the UK has the worst ever case of gonorrhea. Believed to be the first strain of gonorrhea to be resistant to the main antibiotic treatments available. Only good thing he ab- has this. He encountered this super gonorrhea during a sexual encounter with a woman in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Yesterday, I heard of a soldier's falling off some Indonesian junk that's going around. Um. So this has been a concern for quite some time, right? That uh. A bug starts traveling around that no antibiotic will cure, and that kills us all off. Yeah. The good thing about gonorrhea is I can avoid getting it if I want to, right? I mean, um, if I decide I don't want to get gonorrhea, I can pretty much take care of that. I assume, I, I, I've never heard of a non-sexual transmission of gonorrhea. Right. Um, doctors attempted to treat it with the anti- antibiotics azithromycin and ceftriaxone. This is the first time a case has displayed such high-level resistance, both of these drugs and most other commonly blah, blah, blah. So uh, there you go, super gonorrhea. You know, fighting sex- crime, sexual, pardon me? Fighting crime. Oh, super gonorrhea. Yeah, it's controversial. Uh, sexual mores, sexual moral instruction is as old as mankind, and it exists for very good reasons. It's not to 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 uh, subjugate women, or or what have you. Now, certainly, there's been plenty of subjugation of women, including right now in the world, particularly the Islamic world. But you're going to get knocked up. You're going to get a disease. You're going to you know ruin your family and have your family fall apart. There are going to be children who are born that don't have parents. There are very good reasons for sexual morality. And now, super gonorrhea. Um, a little less. Is lesson. it God's scourge to punish the unchaste? Might we'll be. take your calls. Uh, a little lesson in presidential approval ratings because it's not getting a lot of attention in the news that we should hit you with. Um, South Africa has a law where if you use racist language, you can end up in jail, and it's been used for the first time. And a demographic fact that will convince you, I think. We live in the same land mass as we did 50 years ago, but it's a completely different society. Interesting. Oh, yeah. And that was all part of a plan. No, not really. Nope. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Not to self. Tell Judy she looks foxy when I get home today. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Can't imagine how my wife would react if I said, You look foxy today. You're looking foxy in those jeans. (laughs) Then you have this queued up and you just hit play. Alexa, play the song. Yeah! And Alexa would pause briefly from reporting everything about you in your life. (laughs) To her corporate overlords to play the song delighting you because you're an idiot child. Not you, Sean. You, the everybody. <laughs> I heard the, the greatest quote about Facebook the other day. Facebook is not a social media platform. It's a data mining company. And the way they get the data is they give you a social media platform and then take all your data. Or, or you give it to them. I mean, that's fine. If you're fine with that, do it. But that's what they do. How do they make their money? They're a data mining company. Um, 
so I heard Sean Hannity say this the other day. He said uh, Donald Trump has the same approval rating at this point in his presidency as Barack Obama did. What? No. And it's getting no. no, no. And it's getting no attention. And it I thought cannot be true. Is that true? And I so I did some uh, searching around, and you know, at least in one poll, it is true. Trump is in uh, the low forties. There's several different polls out. An NBC, a CNN, a Fox, uh, where he's between 42 and 45. And that's about where Barack Obama was at the same point in his presidency, which, which is pretty interesting. And it's not getting any attention in the media. You still hear about the lowly rated Donald Trump or sure. jokes made to the... And there's no doubt that he has had lower approval ratings than any president since we've been keeping track of this since right. he started. But at this point in his presidency, he's tied with Barack Obama. That's amazing to me. It I'm, is amazing. I'm actually looking at a Weekly Standard article right now about his approval ratings, and they, they break it down in a really interesting way, actually. But um, they don't even mention that. Yeah, but Barack... Because the Weekly Standard hates Donald Trump, this so they was, wouldn't. This but. was when you were fully into the Obamacare had passed and arguing about that sort of uh, period... Uh, of Barack Obama's um, presidency, and he was in the low 30s, as is uh, Donald Trump. Now, do- the interesting part being, of course, that that was the low point thus far for Barack Obama. This is the high point thus far for Donald Trump. These are the highest approval ratings he's ever had. Mm-hmm. I also thought, and this is from CNN, by the way, pointing this out, Trump's approval rating is this close to Obama's and Reagan's. Oh, oh yeah, Reagan also. Trump has the same approval rate Ronald Reagan had at this point in his presidency. This is a shocking set of revelations. Two of the most successful approval ratings-wise presidents we've had in you know my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump's tied with them. In the same poll, I found this interesting. This is the same poll where they're asking people, do you like Trump or not? And he gets his highest approval rating ever. Two-thirds of Americans believe the women who say they've had affairs with him. Getting to the... Our our belief that nobody cares. I mean, this is the same poll, the same people that say, I'm currently approving of the president at a rate of 45%. Right. Um, say, I, yeah, he had sex with those women. Yeah. And you approve. So, He's a philandering billionaire. We knew. So a lot of people don't care. Uh, there's that angle of it. And then I just wanted to throw this in. Um, kind of a different topic, but I came across it as I was doing a little research. This is going to be hot over the next however many months up until the November election. Ronald Reagan lost 26 seats in the midterms after he was elected in a landslide. Is that House and Senate or just the House? In the House. Okay. Barack Obama. Reagan in the House. Barack Obama, huge win, historic win, all that, lost 63 seats in the House in the midterm after he was elected. That was the, was that the Obamacare midterm? Yeah. Yeah. And so I just don't get any of the conversation about... Donald Trump's effect on the Republicans losing the House. It's going to be a blue wave, Jack. That's what's what's supposed to happen if you look at it historically. The reverse happening would be the exciting story. That would be amazing. Yeah, Would be amazing. That would be the, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. The the, the Republicans losing the House, losing a bunch of seats, it's what's supposed to happen, at least in recent memory. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not an extraordinary event. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, we shall see. But the whole approval rating thing, interesting. Yeah. Highest approval ratings he's ever had. Why now? I don't know. Oh, you know, that's tax uh, plan. Uh, the way the, the economy, way, the way he reacted on guns. I don't know. Wages are growing. Gotten used to him. I don't know. Maybe people like him doing porn stars. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there there are people I have worked with and lived with and, and played in bands with and all sorts of stuff like that who I just couldn't take. 
And then I kind of got to know them, and, and I realized, you know, they don't mean to be that way. And they're actually pretty good people in their heart, and they're, they're a little wacky, but, but you know what? I kind of like them. And you know, Trump's wacky. Trump is definitely in our top five wackiest presidents, and maybe for the rest of all time. But if your job is, is giving you a raise and a bonus and your house value is increasing and your economic fear is going away and your consumer confidence is on the rise and, and by God, it looks like there's a chance we're going to have a breakthrough with North Korea and China's saying, yeah, yeah, I guess we could re-examine our trade relationship with y'all, which is what they're saying. Yeah, there's there are plenty of good reasons. I think Trump is a buffoon, but I also think he's right about a lot of stuff. So you know how in the United States we have the N-word, which is pretty highly charged, so highly charged I yes. can't even say it out loud? I've heard it. You can't yes. even, as a professor, say the word to discuss the effect of the word in society. That's how ridiculous it is. Which is idiotic. It is idiotic. But, yeah. Well, in South America, South Africa, <clears throat> they have something called the K-word. Oh. It's, it's so uh, awful a racial slur you can't say it out loud, and they call it the K-word. Well, it's actually against the law to use the K-word. Wow. And for the first time, that law has been put into effect, and a woman who dropped a K-bomb on a black cop is going to jail. Wow. They actually have a word you can say to someone that will send you to jail. Yikes. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah, that's Interesting amazing. way to look at the power of language, as opposed to the whole sticks and stones thing, or just yeah. to ignore them or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. I prefer the free market of ideas. Thank you very much. You know, that, that'll work itself out. But uh, the K-word. So it's obviously a racial slur against people of color. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's like our N-word. It's just a K-word. Yeah, I see. And it's also just interesting from a from a, a linguistic standpoint that we we assign all this power to a collection of letters. Because right. I could say that word right now. I'm not going to just in case it causes any problems. But right. I can say that word right now and it wouldn't mean anything to you. Where There are parts of the world where you'd either go to jail for it or you better put up your dukes you're going to fight to it, the death perhaps. And it's funny. It's, it's almost like a belief in magic or something. Yeah, it is. Like it it's really incan- is. It's an incantation. It's the Cruciatus curse for uh, Potter fans, Harry Potter fans. But. Boy, speaking of bigotry, uh, and you know what? I was a little bit shocked. I took a shot at NPR a little earlier this morning. They did a story. There are huge marches going on in France today. Marcia, you covering that? Probably not. And we got plenty happening in America yeah. and, and the Western United States. But uh, giant marches against anti-Semitism and crimes of violence against Jews in France. It's become so dangerous to be a Jew in France. People are not wearing their yarmulkes. They're, they're hiding yeah, really? their identity, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And I was shocked. NPR said it's, it has, it's much to do. It's mostly to do with the huge influx of Muslims from Muslim countries where it's perfectly okay yeah. to hate and beat and persecute Jews. And now France is trying to convince all their Muslim immigrants that's not the way we do it here. Yeah. Now, the whole Marine Le Pen right-wing parties, they have a history of anti-Semitism as well. It's not exclusively uh, Muslim immigrants, but it is substantially so. What's coming up in your news, Marshal? Sacramento, California on edge ahead of today's funeral for the black man shot by police earlier this week. Very well aware the nation is watching. Yeah, we're going to talk to the police chief next hour. Uh, try to get something out of him. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. There was an article in the New York Times a while back about testifying by police. I guess that's a term that decades poli- old that the cops use. Yeah, the cops themselves use it. Yeah, stretching the truth. 
because you think in 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 general you're doing good for society to put yeah. somebody bad behind bars. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea I got. Okay. That they think you know, let's make sure this bad person gets uh, convicted. Obviously, there are problems with that. Yes. Um, we'll talk to the author of that story coming up right now. News with Marsha Phillips. California's capital city on edge for the funeral of a 22-year-old unarmed black man killed by Sacramento police. The Reverend Al Sharpton planning to give the eulogy for Stephon Clark. Some mourners predicting increased problems beyond the mostly nonviolent, nearly daily protests that have disrupted traffic and two NBA basketball games since his death March 18th. Now, family members and authorities are calling for calm and healing. For his part, Stefan's brother, Stevante, apologized for his angry outburst directed at Sacramento's mayor, Daryl Steinberg. <laughs> telling ABC. I respect him for winning that office. He deserves that office. He worked his behind off of that. Don't nobody deserve to come in here and disrespect his house. I disrespected his house. I disrespected his house. I owe that man an apology. Now, Mayor Steinberg saying Tuesday's interruption by Stevante was pretty shocking. Everyone was concerned. It happened so quickly. And, you know, I just stood up and tried to talk to him. Obviously, uh, that wasn't really possible. And, you know, it ended rather quickly. But um, it was a rough night. But all right, how old a young man is this? Uh, how old is he? In his I early twenties. Uh, yeah, early twenties. I, yeah. I don't know if he's an older, younger brother. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I don't have an exact age. Yeah. Anyway, Steinberg said arresting him would have set off a riot, so he was glad to have held back at that point. Meanwhile, the that was Sacra- a manly apology. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Sacramento Kings say there'll be a heavy police presence to keep protesters from blocking fans from entering the team's arena for a third time tonight. Stefan's brother again, Stevante, appealing to protesters to stop their actions. But that's not cool. We don't support people shutting down our businesses. Sacramento Kings love us. They could have left and went anywhere, but they stayed here in our city. We should respect them and love them. If you love me, you will love the Kings. If you shout Stefan Clark, you will never protest at the Kings Arena again. If you do, you do not love me, period. Because I just asked you to do something and you didn't do it. Wow, Wow. that's pretty strong. We'll see how that goes. I'm looking at a picture of the uh, Sacramento Kings and Boston Celtics all wearing up, I'm sorry, warming up, wearing T-shirts that say hashtag Stefan Clark in black. And the Kings have just announced moments ago that uh, they're forming a partnership with Black Lives Matter and working with them, uh, setting up an education fund for the children of Stefan Clark. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, multi-year partnership to promote African-American education with the Build Black Coalition. Well, that's uh, that's all fine. And, but, you know, you'll see if there are any fans that think, you know, this is one of those politics getting injected into sports things that I don't like. I don't know if people will react that way or not, but it's a possibility. Uh, you know, I, I, I would like the investigation to be done, and I'd like to find out what's actually going on. Because you can't have a sports team announcing partnerships and and giving and giving and giving um every time somebody gets shot by the police you know depending on the circumstances you know is it justified unjustified etc but the kings are making a business decision and a decision for you know how they're going to deal with their players and their fans and they get to so have at it justice department investigating how the fbi deals with foreign intelligence surveillance act warrant applications vices The probe comes at the request of the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. He wants to know if the FBI used deceptive means to get a FISA warrant to monitor Trump's uh, former foreign policy advisor, that would be Carter Page. Republicans have been complaining that their surveillance as part of the Russian interference investigation was based on false information. So now justice is going to look into that. 
And I can't believe this isn't getting more attention because this the, who knows what they're going to uncover with this probe or how far they're going to go. And do they have a more friendly uh, atmosphere to do it in as, uh, you know, it's coming from the Republican side? Sure. Well, the inspector general of the FBI has already hot fired a highly placed guy and said there's some some serious wrongdoing going on. So we shall see. American Kennel Club's just released its list of the top five most popular dog breeds in the U.S. Coming in in fifth we place. We saw a, um, at the park the other day, yeah. we saw a, it's a popular one of your uh, crossbreeds. A hound? Um, Labradoodle? A chug. Chihuahua chug? pug. Oh, chug. Oh, Chugs are a thing. Oh, my God. Oh, please. A Chihuahua pug. It's, oh. it's, not in my house, they're not. It, 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 well, at least this one. I don't know if they always turn out this one. It had, like, the most unpleasant features of a Chihuahua combined with the most unpleasant features <laughs> of a pug in, in one not charming dog. <laughs> well, is there some sort of race on to breed the ugliest animal humanly yeah. possible? Anyway, among the most popular dog breeds, the top five are the German Shepherd coming in fifth place. I will yeah, tell you boy. this. Tell you this, the only time I've ever been bitten by a dog, twice, by German Shepherd. Me too, same thing, twice. Yep. The French Bulldog has raced into the number four Oui-y. position. and uh, The Germans and the French. Wow. <laughs> Golden Retriever came in third. The, uh, no, the Golden Retriever came in second. And for the 27th year in a row, the Labrador Retriever is the most popular dog breed in the U.S., according to the Kennel Club. Fabulous. You skipped number three, though. What, who, what happened to number three? I got Nobody wants there. to know. You've, just, you've, you've, you've kicked number three. It was the chug. The chug is yeah. number oh, chug was me. number three. All right. Let's, uh, I misplaced number three somewhere in there. That's your news. <laughs> number three right away. <laughs> well, uh, compiling a top five list and ending up with all five, oh, it's not easy. It's difficult work. That's some high-level stuff right there. That's you know. your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. There's the Liberty Bell. So, uh, what's testifying? Is that a thing? How you common is it? We'll uh, we'll learn about that coming up. You're saying you've heard police refer to it as that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In person and in the piece in the New York Times. Okay. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, they said you was Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, boy. Trying to schedule various things for weeks, and this is the way they come together back to back? Exactly. Something uh, strange and interesting has happened. We've had a couple of guests we've been chasing, both uh, Joseph Goldstein of the New York Times, to talk about his piece about testifying, police lying under oath. And we've also been intent on getting the chief of police of uh, the city of Sacramento on the line to talk about the shooting of Mr. Stefan Clark and the response to the investigation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and as it turns out, we had to switch this, change that. He had to call, rebook, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be back to back. Now, that sounds like we're trying to set that up into something. It but it's, certainly does. If but I, it's purely a coincidence. If I turned on NPR and I heard him have a guest on talking about how police lie under oath, and then the police chief, I would right. think they were trying to make a point. I will tell you this, though. I'm going to make a point right now. If and, and I say this as, you know, you know me, kind of a libertarian type. I think it's absolutely cr- critical that citizens of a free nation have two attitudes side by side. Number one, a, an uncompromising demand that the police observe everyone's civil rights. 
and that they use violence minimally, and when violence is used, it be investigated thoroughly. We cannot have oppression by police. At the same time, there are a lot of really bad people out there who want to hurt you and hurt the people you love and take your stuff, and frequently it's only brave cops that keep that from happening and round up the bad guys and put them in prison. Both those things are true. And this article on Tesla lying was written before we were even covering the Sacramento shooting, and it was not the... Even on our minds when we booked it. Well, right. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, Joseph Goldstein of the New York Times joins us. Uh, Mr. Goldstein writes about policing, criminal justice system. He also spent a year in the Kabul Bureau reporting on Afghanistan. Holy cow. Uh, a serious reporter, uh, no doubt. Joe Goldstein. How are you, Joe? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So it had to be pretty troubling reporting on that story um, about cops lying under oath. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it's a topic that has interested me for, for a number of years. Um, and, and this is sort of, look, n- nobody is shocked um, by, by sort of the notion that, that sometimes police officers will give a false account or shade the truth or embellish um, while under oath. But, but I, I'm sort of intrigued as to why this problem persists, even though, you know, there, there's a lot of camera footage and we're able to kind of test the credibility of uh of an officer's account um, is we've never been able to before. Why is that? Um, uh, in terms of why it persists? No, why, um, why are we able to test the credibility better? Is it the body cams? or? Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, in New York, it's not just body cams. We've been a, a bit late to that, but it's, it's sort of surveillance cameras on, on, you know, in a bodega or on sort of a street corner. It's, it's, it's anytime there's a police encounter, um, people sort of whip out their cell phones to videotape it. Yeah, there is that. And uh, and that's really that that's a totally new thing. I mean, for 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 most of um, our criminal justice system, I mean, really for hundreds of years, jury trials, uh, the, the 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 most important evidence has sort of been witness testimony, um, and that remains the case. But we can test it just in a way that we've never been able to before. I'm gotcha. tempted to go off on a tangent about how easy yeah. it is to create fictitious video now, which is going to be a troubling new frontier. But yeah. uh, at any rate, um, what have the cops said that you've talked to? How, how have they justified it or explained it? Well, um, you know, th- there's this uh, phrase, testalying, that um, uh, it goes back uh, 25 years, at least 25 years, probably much longer. Um, and and I, I had a few officers on record acknowledging that yeah, it, it, this is something that happens. Um, and and the way the way they justify it is look, the, the Fourth Amendment, um, which, which uh, I, I happen to love, it, but it, it creates a, a very high bar for um, when the police can uh, stop or detain you um, or search you. Um, and police officers don't always honor it. Sometimes intentionally. Um, they'll violate people's Fourth Amendment rights. Um, I mean, we had stopped in Frisk in New York when, um, you know, at its height, six or 700,000 people were being stopped um, and then often searched um, for, for little or, or no reason in many of these cases. Not all, but in many. Um, and, and so sometimes officers will lie because they recovered drugs or found a gun on somebody because they stopped them and searched them without a without sort of the reasonable suspicion or probable cause that they needed. Well, well so asking it, it, police about yeah. this, did you get this, the, the sense that um, are, are good cops telling you this is something bad cops do, or are cops telling you that this is somebody that, that, that everybody does, it's just kind of the way to do business? Because they're bad guys and oh, we want them off the Because they're bad again. guys and we want to put them in jail. 
both. This is a, a form of misconduct that I, I think, in some cases, otherwise good cops do engage in. And and I, I can't venture a guess as to how prevalent it is in terms of what percentage of the force is, has sort of consciously um, uh, falsified a, a narrative in a police report or on the stand. But, but it's something that some cops do. And, and in some cases, those are... Um, otherwise law-abiding and very conscientious police officers, as best I can tell. Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. Not in every case, though, but right. in some cases, yeah. Right, yeah. so you could have good cops feeling like, this is justified in this situation, this is a bad guy, I'm going to make sure he goes to jail. There's also, the, we, we, we've been blown away by this stat. We've had cop panels numerous times and asked the question of cops, what percentage of people that you work with shouldn't be cops? And it's usually around a quarter of cops yeah. say that, <laughs> they say that, about 25% of them, one out of four, shouldn't be a policeman, which is interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Let yeah. me point out, they let girls be police officers now, Jack. Girl so police maybe, officers? Yes, huh. that's correct. That's interesting. Uh, Joe Goldstein of the New York Times is on the line. Uh, you know, listen, we try to deal more with fact and emotion in this sort of thing, but I can't help but ask, after all your reporting on this, did you find yourself highly troubled, frightened, kind of grudgingly understanding it, you know, since we don't have unlimited time to talk about it. What was your takeaway? Yeah, you know, it's... I, I, the, the thing I was struck by was how this is a problem you can't ever completely solve, but there are a lot of things that prosecutors and judges could do to reduce this. A lot of things the police department could do, too, and they don't. Uh, the criminal justice system sort of shrugs at this problem. I mean, they, they've just sort of let it fester. Um, and, uh, the, you know, there was one case in particular where the cops find a gun in an apartment. It's, it's sort of an abandoned apartment. A lot of guys are sort of coming and hanging out there. There was a shooting nearby. Somebody stashes a gun. Um, the cops find the gun. So far, so good. But they don't know who it belongs to. And instead of just sort of seizing a gun and um, being unable to sort of pin it to somebody, they they accuse a woman of possessing it who, who had been visiting the apartment, but who um, there was no evidence tying her to it. Her DNA wasn't on it. She was, in fact, excluded from it. So the cop creates a story, which is he saw her standing in the doorway holding a laundry bag. Um, he wanted to go into the apartment, um, and she put the laundry bag down. It was in his way. So he picked it up, and it felt heavy. So he puts it down out of the way. But he heard when he put it down, he sort of heard a, a thud or a clunk, and it got him curious. So he opens up the laundry bag and finds the gun. And because he'd concocted this story that she was holding the laundry bag, you know, he he he, he arrests her, and um and and tries to send her to prison with the, his testimony that's revealed to be totally false, um by sort of a, a, a camera on on the hallway of. Uh, of this apartment where she's just not holding a laundry bag. So, um, and and he, he tells this lie in October, and in November he's promoted to detective, and he's still a detective last time I checked. Wow, um, wow. In, in sort of a Bronx precinct. So even when it's exposed, um, the consequences are sometimes uh, nothing. We've got about 90 seconds left, uh, Joe Goldstein, in the New yeah. York Times. But you mentioned a couple of things that could be done by the judicial system, for instance. Can you yeah. give us a for instance? More trials, more trials and more suppression hearings. And that, that's sort of the root of the problem here, uh -huh. which is in New York, uh, for every 185 arrests, you get one trial. 
And trials are imperfect, but there's at least a chance that you get to the bottom of what happened. And if, if you know, everything ends up with a plea deal or a dismissal, um, we have no idea what happened in that other 184 cases. And not that we need to know each one, but we need a better system for testing sort of the facts that, that sort of underlie um, these arrests. Right, so yeah, and a plea deal, you're... More, yeah. Your lawyer, particularly a public defender, isn't going to go hardcore after the evidence. They don't have the time or interest. Yeah. Hey, and, can can we have you on some time to talk about Kabul and Afghanistan? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah love, love to do that. Love to have the chat. Joe Goldstein of the New York Times. Yeah, we could probably talk about this all day, and, and, and perhaps we'll get a chance at some point. But a uh, really nice piece, interesting, to. even-handed, well done. It's good to talk to you. And the police chief thanks, of Sacramento coming up, uh, interestingly enough. He might want to listen. <laughs> yeah. I will. Yeah, stay, st- stay tuned, Joe. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Um, yeah, see, I, I'm absolutely pro-police. Good police observing the Constitution. I'm also a human being, and I could see a cop. I know plenty of cops. I could see them in the midst of a situation where they realize, wow, this is a little over the line in terms of probable cause search and seizure, but this is a terrible, dangerous person about to do dangerous stuff. I'm going to say I saw it before I came in the door instead of after. Right. I can understand that. You can also understand how that could be abused so easily. Easily. So easily in the wrong hands. Um, so, yeah. Uh Chief of Police of Sacramento coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.